Well, I guess you probably know by now that we're going to be spending a couple of weeks talking about love. I caught as many of you as I could possibly get to slow down as you came in or one of our staff did and said, would you please read my t-shirt? And I hope you can see it now. This is a small, by the way, Uh, so the letters are not real big, but it says, how he loves. Do you know how he loves? And and just maybe you got in here without somebody kind of getting that message to you. So here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to turn to your neighbor And if you know them well enough, I actually want you to put your hand on either side of their face and make sure that they're looking you right in the eye, okay? Now, you might get slapped, but don't blame me. So go ahead and make make that turn right now, and I want you to say this, you are the one he loves. Now, some of you aren't participating. <laughs> some of you just got a little more intimate with someone than you ever thought you would, right? And, and you know what? I, some, some folks here are from the north, from Ohio and above, right? Y'all don't say you right. You, you only use it as one syllable. You are the one that he loves. Say that to each other. You don't have to grab them again. (laughs) Well, I want you to hear that message in as many ways as you can, and I want it to sink in today. This is a message of good news. I, I have people all the time who come to me with what I would call mixed news. Here's what I like, here's what I don't like, here's what's right, here's what's wrong. Uh, you know what? Today is all about something that you cannot twist and turn into something negative no, how, no matter how hard you try. Today's message is good news. It's about love and, and the brand of love that is overwhelming, that can literally change you, can motivate you to be something better than you are. There's no bad news here today. It's all, all good news. And, and the passage of Scripture I want to read is found in John chapter 11. I used this passage of Scripture this summer, and I said to myself as I, I talked about what, uh, what happens here, when it gets close to Valentine's Day, I, I get Valentine's Day and Halloween mixed up sometimes <laughs> with terrible terrible results. In fact, I called Valentine's Day Halloween twice in the early service. People left to get masked. But uh, here's what it says, and I want to use this because it, it, it is revolutionary if you allow the truth of what happens in this passage to sink in. It's in John chapter 11, and the story takes place in a village very near Jerusalem called Bethany. And the characters in this story are a brother and two sisters, Lazarus, sister Mary, and his sister Martha. And these people were Jesus' best friends. 
Uh, are there people in your life that you know, you're not blood kin to, but you couldn't be closer to them if you were blood kin? They matter so much to you. You'd trust them with your life. And, and this is the kind of relationship Jesus had with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. As, as you know, if you've read the scripture at all, that Lazarus got sick and later died, later came forth from the grave alive again at the beck and call of Jesus. So it's a great story, but we're really not going to focus on that story. We're going to focus on what happened before. Jesus is not in Bethany when Lazarus is sick. And so Mary and Martha determined to send him a note by a messenger compelling Jesus to come. I want you to stop and think about all of us have had someone close to us, close to us who's been gravely ill, right? And if, if you were praying for that person, if you were compelling God to intercede or to heal on behalf of that, that person, if you wanted to say something that would persuade God to come, to move, to act, to heal, what would you say? Matter of fact, down about the middle of your outline, I asked that question. You can go ahead and fill this in. If you could write one note to save your loved one's life, what would you say or what would it say? And so Lazarus is gravely ill. Mary and Martha are inviting, beseeching, imploring, begging Jesus to come. And, and they have to, to, to make it known to him how desperately they need him in this one note. And, and if it was you, what would you say? Well, let's just read what they say. It says this, a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, town of Mary and his sister Martha, her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold the one whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And we know the rest of the story. We know that Jesus made God look good. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, I don't know what you thought in your mind, but here are the kind of prayers that I have prayed in a similar situation. I can remember when my father was gravely ill, and I would go to the chapel in the hospital and pray for him, and I can remember saying to God, God, you know how much my dad loves you. You know that he served you throughout his life. You know that he's a wonderful pastor and minister. And I was listing his credentials. I was telling God why my dad should continue to live. I was asking him uh, to, to, to intercede, to heal him, and saying, you know how much he loves you. 
anytime we talk about relationships, not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with each other, it almost always focuses on what we're putting into it. I mean, have you ever said to your husband or your wife, you know, you just do too much for me, you love me too much. Please slow it down a notch. You're over-encouraging me. You're making me too happy. You know, we don't think in those terms, do we? You know, we're thinking, you know, I'm really giving up a lot to be with him. I'm really doing a lot for her. You know, that's kind of how we think. We think that the relationship's focal point is on us. And, 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 And I think that that carries over, not just in our human relationships, but in our relationship with God. And when we talk about what goes on between us and God, it's almost always based on our performance. God, here's how much I love you. God, here's what I've done for you. Uh, And God, you know know my heart. You know how how strong uh, my desire uh, to serve you is, God. This is where I'm at. Here's what I'm doing for you. God, you ought to bless me. Now, I know we don't just pray like that, but the reality is I think we think like that. I think we have those feelings. I think that deep down inside, even though we know the truth of the gospel, there's still this notion that if we live well, live better, love more, do more for God, we're going to make it to heaven a little easier. And I think we believe that God will act on our behalf, because we've done things that please him. But that's not at all what Mary and Martha said, was it? I mean, I have to believe if Lazarus was up at the top of the list of Jesus' friends, that he was a heck of a guy, don't you think? I mean, I don't know much about him. I know, you know, that he came out of the grave stinking. Uh, I know that he had Jesus over to his house. You know, ministers love people to have you over there. I mean, you know, we like that. Anybody wants to have me over their house tonight? I'm good to come, I promise. So here's the deal. They said to Jesus, not the one who loves you, but the one whom you love. They wanted to touch the heart of Jesus. They wanted to say the thing that would most quickly persuade Jesus to leave where he was and come to Lazarus' side. And so they said to him, the one whom you love, God, is sick. Now, I believe that changes everything. I believe that changes our perspective. I believe it changes our notion of what salvation is all about. I believe it changes the way in which we operate in relationships. Here is a moment of crisis in the life of Mary and Martha. A moment of truth. A great moment of stress. You know what I hear people say? You know, I was just just losing it right then. I was just torn up right then. I was really mad right then. And, and, and I just 
said something I didn't mean. You ever said that? You know, I got mad and said something I didn't mean. You know what I think happens more often than not? I think when we get really mad and don't give a rip, we say exactly what we mean. Now, I hope nobody said anything in anger to you today and then said they were just joking and now you're thinking, whoa, wait. But the fact of the matter is, in this moment of crisis, in this moment of stress, Mary and Martha touched upon the truth. And I believe in those moments, in all of our relationships, when when everything is on the line, in conflict, we get to the truth. Gary Chapman wrote a great book called Love Languages. And, and, and I, I want to talk about what he said for just a little while because I think it kind of clarifies what happens in our relationship with God. Uh, all of us know that in our, our, our relationships with one another that we do a lot of stupid things. We think we're expressing love. A lot of times we're not. We, we think we're making it clear that we are in touch with that person that we love, but sometimes they don't have any idea. You know, there are a lot of times that all of us, if we could testify, would say, I did my best, I, I did what I thought she would like, I did what I thought he would like. There is a great big gulf in, in, in how men understand women and how women understand men, right? Amen? I mean, I'm clueless, but you know what, what, ladies? You don't get me either. I mean, you, you, I, I may be simple, but you don't always figure me out. And there's even a bigger gulf in how we understand God's love. Gary, Gary, Gary Chapman talks about love language. Remember what they are? Give you a moment to write them down. Uh, the first is quality time. Is some people, if you spend time with them, they, they start to understand you love them. Most of the time with me, people like me in small doses. <laughs> Walk away, I'll know you love me. Words of affirmation, men are especially tuned into that, by the way. If you brag on us, if you tell us how big our muscles are, and how brown our eyes are, or how white our hair is, we love it. Uh, Gifts, acts of service, touch. I asked a guy yesterday, just in preparation, I told him what he could pick from. I said, "What's what's your love language? He said, touch, gifts, and touch me again. So you think about it, and have you communicated to the person that needs to know you love them, and you need to feel their love? Have you communicated to them in a moment of crisis, or even in a time of introspection? Here's love to me. Here's love to me. And in this moment of crisis in their life, 
Mary and Martha were able to communicate and touch the heartstrings of Jesus. Here's what I would say about what Mary and Martha said to him. The entire gospel, the entire gospel is overwhelmingly based on God loving us. Did you ever think about that? This book, this book is about God loving you. God loving you. It's not about how good you have to be. It's not about how wise you should be. There are bits and pieces that get there, but on every page, it's God loving you, taking steps, doing things, showing his self and his son, revealing himself to demonstrate his love for you. Most of us, after we learned the verse, Jesus wept, moved to John 3.16. What's the first line in John 3.16? Say it with me. For God so loved the world. Is that different than saying, for God loved the world? What about this question? Are there people that love you? 17 of you don't have anybody that loves you. Come see me, I'll give you a hug after church. There are people that love us, and then there are people that are stupid in their love for us. Crazy in their love for us. There are people that so love us. Guys, you ought to look your wife in the eye as soon as you get out of church today and say, I so love you. And ladies, jump on that. (laughs) Say it back. There's a difference there. There's an intensity there. There is an obsession there. There is a power there. In that word, so. You ever want to have a conversation with God and just say, God, I want to fill you in on these people that you created. <laughs> There are some really rotten people in the world, God. There are even some rotten people in the church. I'm not going to call anybody out, be in peace. You know, but, you know, there, there are times when all of us can be a little rotten, right? There are times when all of us can be a little rebellious, a little backslidden. And just say, God, you know... There there are people who don't even acknowledge that you're God. There there are people who who curse your name. There, There are people who want to remove you from every area of our lives. There are people who live and die 
and act like you are not real. God, get a clue. You need to quit loving bad people. Did your mother ever set you down and say, you need to quit loving him or her? If you marry them, you're out of the family. Or, you know, your mother ever says, quit loving, they're no good. You ever said it to a kid? I want to set God down when he calls me in for a consultation and say, God, you need to get a clue. You're, you're obsessed with bad people. Heck, you died for bad people. You died for bad people. You're loving people who are going to break your heart. You're loving people who will never love you back. God, what's wrong with you? That's not real love. That's one-sided stuff. God doesn't have a clue how relationships should go, does he? I mean, they're supposed to be reciprocal, right? I love you, you love me, we're a happy family. I didn't get the cadence right. <laughs> that, but isn't that it, right? Come on, guys, tell me. Isn't it just absolutely preposterous that God loves you the way you've treated him? Come on, I'm not the only heathen here, jump in. It is preposterous that he loves you the way you've treated him, ignored him, defied him, thought you were better than him, took your path and not his. It's preposterous that God loves you like he does. And he doesn't just love you, he so loves you. Here's what it says in in 1 John. This is love. This is so love. Not that you loved God, but that he loved you and sent his son. Let me clear up what it says here so you don't have to go to hell. Sent his son so you don't have to go to hell. God loves people who will never love him back. God loves people who who would literally deny his existence. God loves people who come to church and pretend to love him. God loves hypocrites. God loves preachers. Not that those two are the same. God loves Baptists. God loves Catholics. God loves the people who are at home in bed. God loves the people that think this day's just about the Super Bowl. My voice is changing, and I'm not going into puberty. I have a cold. <laughs> just understand that. 
he, he can't help himself. You ever loved somebody that you just couldn't help yourself? You knew you shouldn't. They did crazy things. They didn't do what you wanted them to do. You loved them because you birthed them. <laughs> right? God loves you obsessively, even when you ignore him. When you run from him, he chases you. When you hide from him, he finds you. When you defy him, he comes right back again. When you sin against him, he sends his son to die for you can't help himself. How would you describe God's love for you? I'm going to give you a list of things. Maybe you can add to these. The first is really, really simple. It's unconditionally. There are a lot of people in this room that I love. In fact, I can't see any of you that I don't love. Some of you I need to know more and love more, and I'll do better if you'll just give me a chance. But I have a lot of conditions on my love. I want you to know that. If you tick me off... I may not love you for a while. <laughs> if you're mean to me, I'll probably be mean back. If you talk about, if I hear you've been talking about me, I'll cut you out. <laughs> I won't be sending you a Christmas card next year. I mean, I've got conditions, right? Don't you? Come on. People mess up, you don't forgive them easy sometimes. God loves you unconditionally. In fact, I think he loves you more when you're at your worst. Story or two about that in the Bible, isn't there? God loves you relentlessly. You cannot shake him. You ever remember dating somebody you couldn't shake? Everywhere you went, they were there. I had a mother I couldn't shake. When I was in trouble, she, she would catch me every time. She had ESP. You can't shake God. You can sit here and listen to this message and, and walk out of here and, and just say, I don't want any part of that. He's still going to love you. He's relentless. Persistent. <laughs> He's got all the time he needs to make it clear to you how much he cares. And he ain't going to stop. Not going to stop. He's aggressive. He will get in your face and love you. He will, he will pull you out of a mess and love you. He'll drive you crazy loving you. He'll say, God, give me a night off so I can have some fun. He'll still be loving you. He's aggressive. It's extraordinary. I've tried my best, but I can't even explain the depth, the height, the width, the enormity, the passion.
his heart. I can't explain it. I just know that I'm nothing without it. And I just know that when others have given up on me, he hasn't. And I know that it is my hope and my peace and my salvation. And I want you to know those things. Because no one sits in this place today who deserves it, who's worthy of it. And no one sits in this place today without it. God created you so he could love you. And he hadn't changed his mind. God created you so you could live with him forever. You could live in the actual presence of that love. Can you imagine walking into heaven we're going to get to someday for the first time and just just be overwhelmed every sense in our body experiencing that kind of love that kind of love the Bible says heaven is better by far than any place here than any day here And the reason heaven is better by far is God's love. We live in a world where love is scanty, very seldom demonstrated passionately. We live lives searching for that kind of love. God ready to pour it out on you. He's ready to cover you with his love and his grace. He wants to immerse you in his love. And don't we have a story to tell? I don't know where most of you live. I know where some of you live. And I guarantee you there's a bunch of bad people around you. that You need to knock on their door and say, hey, you're bad and God loves you. He is obsessed with you. He's obsessed with you. Isn't that good? Don't people need to hear that? You might not start with the you're bad thing. They need to hear it. And you need to hear it. The altar is going to be open in a moment. There's communion on either side of me. And you need to come and say, God, this is about you loving me. It's not going to be about me anymore. It's about you loving me. And I'm going to accept that love today. Because I'm nothing without it. Pray with me. Father, right here, right now, there's nothing more to say. Your spirit's here. Your love's here. There are people here who are hurting. Oh, God, and you're loving them. You're loving them. There are people here who have nowhere to turn, and you're right here. There are people here at the end of their rope, and you're ready to catch them. There are people here who are lost, and you're chasing them. So this invitation is for us to say, 
I give up, God. Just love me. I'll trust you. Just love me. And you'll say from the very beginning, when I formed you, I couldn't help but love you. And I love you more today. Thank you, God. Let's stand.